Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Biotech Project. Uh, here we are today with episode two. Uh, I know many of you had the chance to see our uh, kickoff video last week. Really excited about having done that. We've already had over a few hundred downloads and uh, the momentum's building. So uh, thank you so much for the comments and the feedback. It's been a really great start. Uh, today, we're really excited because we have Justin Van Est with us today, who Scott will just introduce in a moment. Uh, and it'll be our first episode where we where we have a live guest. So today marks a big day for us. Um, again, just to to reiterate, feel free follow us on social media. You'll find us on all the platforms under the Biotech Project. Um, you can also reach us on Twitter at the Biotech Proj P R O J, uh, or at hosts at the Biotechproject dot com. Uh, so with that, I'm going to turn the mic over to Scott, and he can tell us about Justin. Hey, everyone. Thanks, John. Super excited to have somebody I've known for uh, quite a long time, Justin Van Ness, with us today. So Justin's a sales and commercial ops leader who's got uh, well over 12 years experience in that role and somebody who personally has made me feel real good about sales ops and commercial ops. You know, uh, coming from the commercial side and uh, I think a, a really across the board, a lot of people really don't have a true understanding of what sales ops and commercial ops is. Uh, lots of times uh, people in roles like I've been in think the sales ops people are just the ones that are trying to help the company save money on paying out bonus. And we know that's not true. And super excited to get into it today with Justin and, and hear a little bit about uh, his role and, and roles in, in his world and what opportunities there may be coming forward. So looking forward to, uh, to, to talking with Justin here in just a second. You want to break into and navigate your career in the pharma and biotech industry. We know how to teach you. This is the Biotech Project. From sales to medical affairs and everything in between, we're talking about it. No matter how you got here, from here to your next role is up to you, and we're here to help. You'll hear from guests in every role, from CEO to sales, recruiters to hiring managers, the Biotech Project. Here are your hosts, Scott Resnick and Dr. John Walsh. All right. And welcome to the episode. So as you can, uh, if you're watching us, you can see on screen, we've got uh, Justin Van Ness with us. So welcome to the project, Justin. Thanks for having me. Happy to be here. Yeah. Welcome, so Justin. You, you get the honor of being the first guest here on the Biotech Project. No pressure, right? <laughs> <laughs> not, you know, not at all. You mentioned in your I just want to be clear. We definitely want you to hit your goals because um, that means we got our forecasts right. So, for sure, that's uh, that's you know we're not trying to put roadblocks up. I think it probably feels that way sometimes, but um, you know we can get into that. I'll explain kind of how that all works out. Yeah, you know that was why when uh, you know when John and I were talking, and I thought about who would be uh, a great you know guest to bring early on. You know to to. Uh, share with us and, and for us to learn from, I thought sales ops immediately and, and you, you, you came to mind. Um, so I'm super excited that you agreed to be on the show and, and are able to join us today. So Justin, yeah. why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, you know, your uh, journey into sure. industry. Yeah. So I, um, I started, I've basically been in oncology uh, for pretty much the, the entirety of my career in biotech. Um, I started actually at a small CRO, uh, building up 
um, you know, EDC systems for uh, clinical trials. Um, and you kind of, um, I, it kind of got me down a path of IT related um, uh, uh, systems and things like that. And, and what happened was I, I ended up at an oncology company and, you know, it was a fresh sort of uh, startup biotech. And we uh, needed somebody to basically launch all the sales systems. So like your CRM, where you're inputting your call information and, um, and all the, the systems that you need for uh, legal, medical, regulatory review for different um, pieces that go out to the field. Um, all that needs to kind of be implemented, um, you know, from scratch, basically, when you start. So um, I, I took a role uh, at a company um, where, you know, that I was in an IT position and kind of learning the commercial systems um, and, and uh, kind of hopped from company to company as, you know, various uh, trials either failed or, or uh, kind of we, we had a launch. Um, and so uh, my role evolved throughout commercial systems and I launched, you know, systems in Europe. You know, uh, you guys probably are familiar with Concur. Um, you know, it launched even uh, Concur for Europe and a number of different countries and, um, and, wow. uh, and really sort of just kind of got a real kind of holistic view of all the different systems and tools that a sales team and really a, a field team needs to succeed um, out in the field. And, uh, and so what that did was basically get me very close to the business. And, um, and I uh, transitioned into a sales ops role um, and there you kind of take on, so it's less about the systems at that point because IT sort of handles that. And then you have um, things like incentive compensation, which you talked about earlier, um, and uh, commercial analytics where you've got dashboards that help you understand your business and you can you know, look at your territory, for example, and, um, and figure out what's going on with your customers. Um, and, and so, you know, a big part of that is keeping the field motivated and keeping people, um, uh, like I said, aware of their business and, and um, basically making sure that, you know, if you're in the field, um, you've got all the tools you need to succeed. And, and that includes things like, uh, you know, it, it depends on the company, but, um, you know, for if you have a fleet of cars, for example, the sales ops person might be in charge of keeping that together. Um, if you've got, um, uh, you know, it, even down to like, you know, what what you're using to, to display your, your sales aids. So if it's an iPad or, you know, any kind of other uh, um, device, uh, a lot of times that can be done there as well. And even credentialing. Um, you know, that's something that sales ops or field operations typically handles. But honestly, sales ops um, depends on the company, but it, it's, it fits under the umbrella usually of commercial operations. So you've got things like forecasting, field ops, which is, like I said, credentialing and, and kind of all the maybe more physical tools, um, commercial analytics. So that's your dashboards and, um, you know, the things that help you understand your business. Um, sales strategy in some cases, um, and and depending on the size of your organization, it can be one person that does all of these things, um, or it can be thirty people who handle wow. like a small little chunk of those things. Depends. It, usually, it's it's about how big your sales force is. So if you've got hundreds of sales reps, you're going to have a big team in sales operations, um, and so it, it depends, you know, it, really on the size of your sales force and that. Um, usually depends on the product. So 
Um, but yeah, generally speaking, that you know, sales ops is there to help sales professionals uh, succeed and and allow them to just focus on relationships and and you know building their business. So all the other stuff that goes along with uh, sales. You know, Justin, one of the things that you mentioned was the the size of an organization really matters in a role like this. So mm-hmm. one of the things that was always interesting to me and having been on the medical side, uh, often in some of the meetings, I got to be spectator to some of this, but certainly never was the person who turned those wheels. Um, but, but you have. So maybe you could peel back the, the curtain a little bit for us and tell us what does that look like when you're trying to decide what is the size of a sales organization? How do you guys do the math? How do you get there? And clearly, different therapeutic areas can look different. So, so what are some of the things that you think about in the decision making when you make recommendations about how to build uh, sales teams? Yeah. So, um, you you said you did the math, and that's exactly right. A lot of times, it's it starts with an equation, and so you have, for example, a number of physicians that you need to reach, um, or a number of patients that you have uh, in your sort of bucket of eligible patients, and um, and how do you? How many physicians do you need to call on to reach that number of eligible patients? And how often can your reps call on them? Um, and so there's a lot of math that goes behind that. So, for example, if you've got, you know, ten thousand doctors you need to reach, um, you know, I, I, it depends on the size of your territories. Um, but you know, if uh, uh, you know, you, basically in, in oncology, for example, the sort of standard is three calls per day. And so that, and, and that's a meaningful kind of in-person interaction or, you know, with the pandemic, maybe more of a remote interaction, but certainly more than just, you know, dropping a piece of paper or having, you know, sending a quick email. Um, and so this, this kind of gold standard, if you will, of three calls per day is the, the starting point for the math that kind of builds up how many people you need to cover your, uh, your indication. So if it's a, it's a huge indication and you've got, thousands and thousands of patients and thousands of doctors you need to see. Um, uh, and then you have an idea of like what your cadence is. So you have some doctors are very important because they've got the most patients or they're at a very important center. So you want to talk to them, say, 12 times a year if possible, which we all know is probably unlikely. But, um, you know, you have a goal. You want to see this doctor or at least be you know in front of their staff once a month um, because they're that important to your business. Um, so that's one you know, piece of the math that goes into it. And and you kind of take all these things and you put them together and it's in the end, it spits out a number and it'll say, okay, you need 30.7 reps to cover the entire United States for this indication um, based on all the math and all the inputs. And then, you know, that's, you can't just say, okay, well, we need 30. That's what we're going to do. You, you have to, you know, look at the map, understand, uh, you know, where your customers are, um, so there, it's it's not all math. It's you, you have to take that as an input and then also kind of bring logic into it and understand, you know, like I said, where your customers are. It, are the patients concentrated in certain centers? Um, do you need a territory that covers North Dakota and, you know, Western Montana? Probably not. So so those are the kinds of things that you consider as you're building out the sales force and figuring out, um, you know, the rest of the picture you'd look at the map and, and find where your, where your sales uh, territories might be um, and then see what that number is. And sometimes it's more than what the, the equation spits out and sometimes it's less. Um, it's just, uh, 
it depends on kind of how how your your specific market shakes out. So, you know, it's it's really enlightening to kind of look behind the curtain some of these decisions, right? We read on the news daily companies making decisions to either, you know, downsize or right size, whatever the buzzword is, um, or increase, you know, in one area versus the other. Um, I guess the question for now is, do you think that these formulas or these recipes, if you will, are changing, um, you know, quicker than they would have in the past? Or, you know, is this a a temporary kind of change, do you think? What, What do you think with regards to these recipes for you know, successful organizations? Yeah, I mean, I think um, part of it probably has to do with access at this point, right? Where you're, you know, how many physicians are even letting people in the door to have a sales conversation right now? Um, And so that, you know, that could definitely play a role. It's probably not so much the specialty uh, products like oncology products, but maybe more the general medicine products that you know, you've got massive sales teams right now, 300 plus, you know, reps, and they're all, you know, calling the same doctors. They're there every single week, basically talking to the same doctors. And those, you know, if, if access is limited now, um, it, it cuts down on their, um, uh, their workload quite a bit. So I think there's probably companies that are, uh, doing the math and, and looking at things like, um, uh, promotion response. Um, and so that, with that uh, kind of analysis is, is it says, you know, what, what portion of the sales of this product are because a rep is having a conversation with a doctor and it could be, you know, depending on the product, it could be as much as 95%. So it's a huge, you know, we need reps. We absolutely need reps or, you know, it could be uh, a different number. And so for example, um, you know, I've done I've done an analysis like this in the past where the the data indicated that if we cut out all the reps, the 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 product would still sell 70% of what it was before, even if there's nobody calling on the physicians. Um, and then it sort of degrades over time. So you could you know you look at it basically over five or ten years, and and your um, the equation is what does it cost to have a sales force? And then what are we losing on that other end when we, when we don't have a sales force? And if that's imbalanced in a way that you're, you know, it costs a lot more to have a sales force then essentially, you know, the, whoever, whichever company it is that's making this decision is going to look at that and say, Hey, maybe we want to think about cutting down on our sales force because we don't need them uh, as much as we did before. But again, I think that, doesn't necessarily apply to, um, to to specialty products. It's more um, more the the large indications or or you know kind of products that sell themselves. Um, it, you know, for example, Keytruda, right? I mean, everybody knows Keytruda is this sort of wonder drug, and and it I probably don't have an oncologist in the entire country that's not using it. So um, that might be a, a drug that. Uh, you know, and I, I have no uh, indication of whether or not they've done any of this analysis, but that that might be a case where a company might look at it and say, well, okay, we, we, we need fewer reps in the future because this everybody knows this product now and everybody knows uh, all the the uh, the data behind it. So that's just one uh, particular 
circumstance that might make sense there. Do, do you think that this is an example of the pendulum swinging to one extreme and then maybe going to have to come swinging really hard back to the other in the future? Yeah, I think, I think potentially it, it is. I mean, what, the thing is, you're, you're always going to need to evangelize your products in some way. And, and not every doctor consumes that information the same way. And, but, you know, potentially as, as physicians get younger, right, they're more receptive maybe to non-personal promotions. So things like email or a Zoom call, for example, um, you know, you, you might get a different looking sales force in the future where it's home-based and you're having Zoom calls as opposed to going into the office or that kind of thing. Um, but again, it really depends, I think, on the product. I mean, you know, it's, it's, in oncology, it seems to be very different than, you know, some of the more generalized indications uh, or, you know, general medicine or going to a, a group practice, that kind of thing. So, Justin, if someone was interested in, in doing the role that you do, um, maybe you can give some advice to the folks out there. As you know, the biotech project was designed with how to break into industry or how to navigate your career in the industry. So if, if I were on the outside looking to get in or if I was already on the inside in a role and I wanted to move there, what should I be thinking about? What skills should I have? How do I make myself right for that role? Sure. So I think it's uh, there's a couple different ways to get in. I think, like I said, my the way I got in was through commercial IT um, and and uh, you know getting that understanding of all the different systems that kind of play a role um, for sales and sales operations. Uh, but I, I've seen also you know sales ops come from the field as well because you know who better to to tell people or to to help people get their sales uh, done than someone who's done it themselves, you know? So I think it can come either way. And there's certain probably personality types, you know, people who are highly analytical, people, you know, who love digging into spreadsheets and uh, and producing kind of, uh, you know, a, a lot of it has to do with tracking performance. And and so, um, you know, you're, you gotta have that mindset, like you wanna uh, dig into the details and find, uh, the, the needle in the haystack and, and help find, you know, connect the dots there. So uh, it's a little bit of a personality type, but I would say, you know, you've got the right background if you're coming either from commercial IT or, or sales in the field. And, you know, it used to be for the folks in the field, it was tough for them to jump in because they would have to move to wherever the home office was. But now, you know, a lot of jobs, especially this one, can easily be done fully remotely with no problem at all. So. I think you might see more of that potentially in the future, people coming from sales into ops because they don't necessarily have to move to where the home office is anymore. Um, but those would be two kind of avenues. And, um, you know, I've seen also, I guess, people come from more of a finance role. So you could come from finance, for example. Um, you do a lot of the same kind of, you know, financial modeling and things that you would. So, you know, an incentive comp plan, someone who's got a finance background could probably easily administer a plan like that. Um, so that's another avenue potentially as well. So let's jump into things like incentive comp and, um, mm -hmm. you know, uh, forecasting and, and um, maybe incentive plans or, or, you know, contests as they're, you know, routinely called and stacked ranking and, you know, all these kind of buzzwords yeah. that seem to be uh, commercial ops, you know, world. Um, 
what are the trends in industry that you're seeing when it comes to that? You know, we, we know that we are in the midst of the great resignation. Um, we hear companies talking about trying to uh, do one of two things. I mean, I've heard some consultants to industry saying that we're in a time where for certain roles you can bring somebody in and uh, that can get 70 to 80% of the success and pay them 50% because they are, you know, brand new or they don't have a certain skill set. So that that's option one that, you know, we're hearing some consultants say to industry, I don't like that because I'm, you know, the experienced guy that's been really successful. And then, you know, the other thing that you're hearing from, from companies and, and from leaders is that, you know, we're in the midst of, of this um, drought, if you will, of, you know, uh, the, the, the best of the best being available and willing to take on, you know, roles and, and you have to retrain, uh, you know, retain and, and attract. So, you know, what do you think the trends coming forward are for um, organizations in, in general? What, what are some of the um, ways you're hearing people want to bring resources to retrain, uh, retain, sorry, and, and attract, you know, folks? And what do you think some of the things that are going to change are? Yeah, so I mean, you kind of hit on two major topics there. I think one is a comp, and the other is sort of the the idea that you can replace your sales force um, with a, I guess a a subpar version of it, but pay them a lot less. You know, those are so I, I'll start with that because I think I think that's a mistake, um, and you know, uh, the reason why is because reputation matters. You know, if you've if you've got people with excellent relationships, in a lot of cases, especially if you're hiring, you know, in oncology, for example, a lot of cases these these physicians and sales reps have known each other for a decade or more, and you know they're they're good buddies. And if you if all of a sudden the next day this this uh, the, a person comes in who's sort of you know fresh uh, fresh out of college or something like that who's just sort of dropping off a pamphlet and not really having the same Kind of level of connectedness I, I think that can hurt business and um you know it, it is a math equation in the end of the day and I, I i i think it would be a mistake for an organization to do something like that um unless it's a brand that's sort of coming off of you know maybe it's it doesn't have exclusivity anymore and it's not you know it's not necessarily a um a major blockbuster like it was in the past that would be one, you know, maybe scenario where that makes sense. But, you know, you you, you don't want your company to, uh, you don't want your, your customers to sour on your company and think, oh, my gosh, they replaced my friend who I've known for two decades with this kid or with this person who doesn't really know, you know, the same amount of uh, detail that, that that person knew. So I think relationships really matter in this case. Um, and And so... Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go that route, even if the math did check out, um, because ultimately you're sort of degrading your brand uh, as a company um, if, you go, if you do that. So, um, and, and I would, I would guess that there'd be a big expense with trying to fix that if if somebody went down that path and it didn't go well. Yeah, exactly. And then you you probably have higher turnover if that happens. You know, with uh, with a group of inexperienced or younger people, they might move on quickly. Um, you know, as opposed to some, you know, these sort of seasoned uh, reps um, who, who understand the business better and, and kind of, you know, have been there uh, and, and know what good looks like. 
Um, and so I think that's that's a key to keeping and retaining people is having people who understand that and can see that they're being treated fairly and well and, you know, uh, have a good comp plan, for example. And, and one of the, you know, what I've seen with comp plans uh, recently is you you want them to be very simple. Or, and I shouldn't say that's, that's the case with everything, but um, it, it's the, the best way to motivate people is for them to clearly understand, I think, what how they're getting paid and what they're getting paid on. Um, and, and, you know, those, some of those plans, I'm sure you've, you've seen it yourself, Scott, where you, you have no idea ultimately what you're getting at the end of the quarter, because you don't, it's hard to translate looking at the plan, what, what it is you're even getting paid on and what, what percentage is this versus that. And so, you know, I've seen in, in the time that I've been doing this, I've seen plans get, um, super complicated where they've got. 10 different elements and you're getting paid on each one of them by some percentage. And then others that are just, you know, Hey, you're getting for each patient you get, you get X amount of dollars, you know? So, uh, it's, it can be super basic, um, which I think is really motivating. It helps people clearly understand their goal. Um, or it can be really complicated and then it just, you know, it's convoluted and there's, you're never going to get a hundred percent, um, buy-in on a comp plan, but I think the simpler they are, the, the, the easier it is for people to to understand, and it's it's more motivating in that way. So another Justin, way of potentially retaining people. Yeah, so out in the field, it's a complex place, right? Obviously, you've got uh, sales professionals that are out there. We have market access colleagues that are out there. In my case, we had medical field teams that were out there. So in taking all of that into account, right, and being respectful of the customer's time, uh, but also having your business flow, maybe you could tell us a little bit about some of all, what are the cross-functional groups that you work about? What do you think about, about what those complex organizational field interactions look like? Because it, it could seem really simple, right? You just, here's the math, put a few salespeople out, life is good. But in fact, it's much more complicated. So, Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of interaction. So in sales ops, you depending on the structure of the team you're, you're you're working very closely with market research a lot of times because you know the the data for example you're bringing in a lot of data if you're if you're on the analytics side and you're buying it from various sources and it all comes in you have to triangulate and kind of understand what it all means and without you know you also have to add in the market research to get that qualitative side of it and understand the human side of, of the decisions that are being made um, and so, yeah, so there's close interaction with market research. Um, it, in some cases, depends on the organization. Um, medical tends to occasionally need uh, an operations type uh, role, at least to kind of help them understand what's going on in the field and kind of track activity, um, which is not, you know, not necessarily something that's done often or even, even at every organization. Um, but it can happen, and it's I, you know I've only seen maybe recently where medical uh, teams are starting to bring in more of an ops person that helps with that sort of thing, um, and it just helps to understand the the goings on out in the field and, and make sure people are focused where they should be. Um, and so, you know, there is a little bit of interaction with medical, um, and you know, typically. Uh, at least uh, a few times a year, the, the sales ops folks are presenting to even up to the CEO, president of the company, because 
ultimately they're the ones who understand best from a uh, you know a, 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 a holistic sense what's going on with the business because they're looking at all the data as it comes in and they know the trends um, or they should know know the trends of how sales are going and you know which accounts are are struggling or doing well and and, and you know that the sales ops person should really be in and understanding all of that so you have times where you're uh, presenting to the CEO to let them know how you're how you're doing, and sometimes it's a really regular occurrence. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think sales ops, you know, your your typical like your your customer, your everyday customer for sales ops is the sales leaders. So your um, directors who kind of uh, uh, coordinate with their teams in the field, the the head of sales, uh, head of marketing. Um, and, uh, and and like I said, uh, you know, your commercial head or your, your even up to the CEO. A lot of times what you do is present or prepare presentations for the head of your commercial organization, and then that person brings that up to um, the CEO, but you're usually in that meeting so that you can kind of answer some of the detailed questions too. Um, but yeah, it, it can be a great experience, and you get, it's a lot of exposure, honestly, in, in sales ops because you see, you know, you're able to bring value to the sales organization, but also, you know, if, if for example, you're building dashboards um, for your commercial team, a lot of times what happens is those will be seen by other people in the organization and they'll say, oh, hey, I want that for myself too. Uh, and so, it, and, and the other areas of the organization don't necessarily have a person that can do that. So then you sort of swap hats and, and you know, start to build out dashboards and things for other groups as, as you have uh, availability. So, very visible, uh, uh, you know, uh, person in the organization, and um, so you get to see a lot of things, and and especially if it's a smaller company um, where you're maybe in an end of one or two, um, mm-hmm. then you definitely get to see a lot more of that um, outside of, of just your kind of zone. So, for somebody that's listened to the project today and saying, you know what, I never really thought about opportunities in sales ops, but I know I've seen on my company's internet that there's opportunities there. Um, you know, what do I look for? What is a typical day for somebody in, in sales ops? If, if, so yeah, I was just going to say, if you can kind of, you know, walk us and and the audience through what, what's a typical day for somebody in sales ops look like? Yeah. So, um, there's kind of, there's sort of two sides of it. You have, uh, generally there's, there's larger sort of projects that are going on over, you know, over quarter over time. Um, in, in the process of a, you know, a launch, for example, you've got a lot of different things you need to bring up and spin up and have working. Um, things like n- not just the dashboards are sort of the front end of it, but there's a lot that goes behind that. And you have to, um, you know, so you have big projects to like bring data in, you know, work with a data warehouse company and, and synthesize the data in a way that it's usable and kind of accessible to create reports with or kind of just help. Uh, you know, find targets, for example, um, sales targets. Uh, and so um, so you have these sort of long-term projects, and then you have day-to-day sort of, you know, for example, uh, a sales leader might come and say, hey, I'm going over to Memorial Sloan Kettering next week, uh, and I would like to understand, you know, what their business looks like um, over the last, you know, however many months. Is it trending positive? Who are the doctors that are, that are uh, you know, treating our patients? Um, whatever you can give me on this particular, uh, you know, account, 
um, you know, help me understand my business there. And so that's that. Those are more of the daily interactions that comes up, and you can, you know, kind of churn something out um, within a few days or even the same day. Um, I like to do things like really quickly. So when I if I've got a request like that, I'd probably do it same day. Um, I just want to make so, a comment on that yeah. real quick, Justin. Yep. I've sure. literally, when we've worked together, sent you emails on something that I thought would take like a week to get done and within like a half hour got an email back. So just for anybody that's listening that may be in, in a position like yours, uh, the, the front facing commercial guys, that that's incredible uh, to, to, uh, to see and, and you should follow suit. So sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. <laughs> no, no worries. I mean, that's, that's kind of the, I would say the major, you know, functions you have these long-term projects, maybe some shorter term ones, things like uh, market research where you're, uh, you know, you might be doing a, a small study that uh, interviewing maybe 10 people uh, and, and you know, just to get a sense for, for certain questions that you need answers to. Um, those are maybe more short term. It takes over the course of a few weeks as opposed to some of the bigger projects that are months and months. So it's, it's project management, uh, both long term and short term, um, and then these little sort of uh, one-off requests throughout the day. Um, you get really close to your sales leaders. Those are your kind of, you know, you buddy up with them uh, and, and it ends up being a, a really great experience and you, you see a lot and you learn a lot and a lot of times too what I what I try to do is uh, go out into the field and do field rides with the reps because I think that's the best way to understand um, to see basically the results of the work that you're doing as a sales ops professional you, you you get out there and you see, okay, this is how they're using that tool. That's not how I intended it to be used, but this is what people are thinking when they see it. And so it allows me to kind of get that perspective as well and, and see kind of how I can change things to make things better for the, the folks in the field or, um, you know, it, 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 maybe when I, when I thought this dashboard or this report was super clear, um, it's not necessarily being uh, understood in that same way by everybody. So, um, yeah, I mean it's it's uh, it it's a great experience and and um, yeah, I'd recommend sales ops to, to anybody who's kind of interested in seeing that kind of the backside of things and and um, uh, and really kind of helping the, the organization as a whole succeed um, from a sales perspective. That's awesome, and it, this uh, you know this thirty five minutes that we've been talking about this has been really. Uh, enlightening for me, uh, especially not being directly uh, on the commercial side. So uh, for people who are, who are out listening, um, I really hope it's been valuable. I, I, I think maybe, uh, you know, as we wrap up, if you think about it, what, what would be some uh, words of advice or suggestion that you might give to somebody uh, who's interested in a, in a role on the commercial side or coming into the very specific role that you do? Um, maybe you can give us some words of wisdom. Sure. Yeah. Um, so I've heard people describe the, the sales side as sort of like the, the dark side, you know, <laughs> come to the dark side. It, it, I, I think a lot of times our industry is sort of, uh, villainized a little bit because we've got these very expensive products and, and, you know, there's, uh, there's some negative connotations to, to sales in, in pharmaceuticals. And I, I have never uh, been around anybody that um, wasn't passionate about helping people um, in this industry. And I think, I think if you are passionate about 
because you know, what you're doing is you're, you're taking a product that maybe someone has never heard of and doesn't know that will help them in their life. You know, it could help people survive another however many years and be with their family. If they don't know it exists, then then they're not going to get it or they're not even going to know to ask for it. Um, and so, you know, the ultimately what you're doing in this role, in any role really on a sales organization is helping people um, understand that they have options and and that, you know, you could be saving a life potentially someday by either, you know, connecting the dots. Hey, Dr. Smith has a patient who might need this product uh, or, you know, um, yeah, so just things like that. I mean, I think you 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 want to uh, don't be scared of, of sales and don't think of it as this negative, uh, you know, uh, evil corporation. It's not that. It's everyone. Everyone I've worked with, they're very passionate about helping people, and and ultimately, it's about it's about the patient and and making lives better. Um, so my my advice, I guess, is you know, if if that's how you feel. Um, Come on over and, and join the party. I, I think you make a great point. Um, you know, I had an opportunity once to speak to an entire organization, um, not as a, a sales rep, uh, but as a, a cancer survivor. And um, what I reminded everybody at the organization was that regardless of what role you take on and, and hopefully you know, the project helps people find and um, expand their, their careers and, and their um, uh, opportunities. But the bottom line is, regardless of what role you have when you're in this industry, everything you do on the other side of that is a patient. And if people remember that, you know, then you're in it for the right reasons and doing the right things. Um, the last question I have for you, so somebody is, um, you know, thinking about sales ops now, what are the two or three things that, you know, you have to have to be able to make it in sales ops? And, and, you know, it could be something as simple as, you know, we joke, oh, I don't know how to do pivot tables, so I can never work in sales ops. But, you know, what, what's the real deal? What, what are the two or three things that, you know, you have to have to, uh, to be able to succeed in sales ops? Yeah, uh, I mean, one, I think, is the desire to dig into the details. Not everybody is interested in getting down to, like, the, the nitty gritty and, and really digging into data and looking at spreadsheets, for example. So... I, I would say that you have to be that kind of person that's sort of analytical minded and, and you know, interested in finding the, the, the problem in a the, in the giant stack of uh, information. Um, so that would be one. I think, you know, uh, another key element to it is relationship building. Um, there's a lot of, you know, you're working with sales folks for the most part, right? So you gotta be, um, uh, you gotta be one of those people that, develops relationships uh, well, or I, should say, I shouldn't say you have to be, but typically you wanna be one of those people that is able to form strong relationships um, with your customers. And the reason why is because if you, you know, a lot of times you're putting data in front of them and uh, if they don't trust you, they're not gonna trust the data that you put in front of them. So um, trust and relationship building is very important in sales ops as well. Um, and, and, you know, if I try and think of the third thing, honestly, but, um, yeah, I, I think those are the two main, you know, you got to be uh, interested in, in the detail and then and then relationship building, I think the two main sort of characteristics that you want in a, in a good sales ops person. 
Well, thank you, Justin. It's been awesome having sure. you uh, as our first guest, and I think you set the bar really, really high. Um, I, I know I can speak for myself that uh, I learned a lot today and some things that I didn't know, and uh, hopefully folks that are listening and watching gain something from this. Uh, Justin, we're going to put your bio up with uh, with with the episode page, and uh, sure. I suggest to anybody that is looking for somebody to connect with, especially on LinkedIn, that's uh, really just uh, a gentleman and really somebody who's an expert and and just a true leader in in sales ops and and commercial ops. That they reach out to Justin either through us or uh, on his LinkedIn page. Um, John, any closing remarks? Yeah, I mean, Justin, this was awesome. Really appreciate the time and your expertise. Uh, shameless plug for Justin. Um, you know, Scott and I have had the fortune of working in the same organization. I know uh, it's always been a pleasure. Uh, so anybody who's listening who needs a really great uh, commercial sales op person, uh, look Justin up. Um, and for those of you who are interested in getting into the field, uh, I'm sure Justin had tackle some more questions for you offline. But um, thank you so much. Really appreciate you spending the time with us. And uh, we hope to catch up again soon. Yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah. And for anybody uh, that is looking and listening, please go ahead and subscribe to either our YouTube channel or to the podcast. We're available on uh, pretty much at this point all project. the podcast networks. Scott and John and if we're not there yet, we will be soon. So jump on to uh, Apple Podcasts or uh, whatever your favorite podcast to is and of look us up and, and give a listen. Scott and John Visit the website, www.thebiotechproject.com. Easiest way to find site. And thank you. And uh, Look forward to bringing you next we episode soon. Enjoyed the Take show, care, and we hope you've Thank gotten you. some useful and practical information. We'll be back soon, but in the meantime, check out the website at www.thebiotechproject.com. And for questions and comments, send an email to hosts at thebiotechproject.com. See you next time.